What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. An original eerie otter joining us on the OHL <laughs> podcast this week. But not only that, before he was an otter, he was with one of my favorite all-time OHL teams in Niagara Falls, a draft pick by one of my favorite NHL teams in Hartford. So much to talk about with Steve Nimagon. A real pleasure, sir. Thanks for making the time. No, I'm real happy to be here. And it looks like I've checked a couple boxes for you. So that should, uh, should, should help out a little bit and talk about a few things. Yeah, you certainly have checked those boxes. And you also, I want to make this clear on the record. I told you this when we first connected. This is a a guest by request on the OHL podcast. One of our fans, Tyler's his name, great guy, huge fan of the OHL, says you got to get the first captain of the Erie Otters on the podcast. So here we are with the first captain of the Erie Otters. There you go. Awesome. Fantastic. Once upon a time ago, I always said it would uh, end up as a, a trivia question somewhere down the road. So here, here we are, and, and uh, it's it's funny to look back on that, but yeah, that's that's where we were. Why don't we start with that piece? Because it's an honor to get the C on your jersey, no matter which team you're playing for. You had it yeah. in Niagara Falls the year prior, but as a first-year franchise, being the on-ice leader, and from what we've learned, off-ice too, and we can talk about that, but what, is it, what does that mean to you, especially looking back? Uh, it was, uh, at the time... Uh, you, you lose sight of it. You don't think that much of it. Cause again, I was already the captain in, in Niagara Falls, um, transitioning to Erie, uh, obviously already the, that leadership role. So maintaining it, but when you look back on it and seeing it as a first year's franchise or as a, a new transition franchise within the league, I guess that, uh, means a, a lot more, uh, especially, uh, um, when look back at the success, the team had well after, uh, the time that I had been there, and just as it continues today, drawing lots of fans, just a, an excellent franchise, awesome rink. So it, uh, it, it was a lot at the time, uh, but not as much as I realized. You talk about the success that came after, and obviously, I guess, unless you're the Vegas Golden Knights, you don't start with success necessarily <laughs> right away. But we've had Corey Pecker through this podcast before. Yeah. Haven't had Brad Boys yet, but they played together, obviously, in the in the yeah. early glory years for Erie. And did Brad Boys not give credit to you and the rest of your cast of characters and that first year team? You, you built the foundation for them, Steve. Yeah, and and that's you know you talk about humbling and, and to to be mentioned in the same breath as Brad. That's that's one of the, the areas that's very humbling. He's a hell of a player, uh, excellent person, just a, a great guy um, that I I got to know a little bit uh, in the times that we crossed paths uh, down there, um, going back to watch that team and seeing their success. So. Um, I really appreciate that he uh, would would say something like that and and uh, talk about uh, some of the original otters in, in that way. What did you think going back twenty years later to see the arena in the shape that it was when you got oh. back to it compared to the one you yeah. played in? No, that that was wild. I, I, it's been a it's been a few years now since I've been back, but uh, I had been there after the renovations and uh, the last game that I was at, I was upstairs in the the new boxes and and wandering around up top and still packed people uh, right up to the, the ceiling in there, loud fans, um, amazing 
um, a wild crowd in there, and then just to to see how much the the arena had changed. And heck, even in '96, uh, '97, that was that was pretty awesome rink to to go into. It was, it was amazing, and uh, yeah, I think I've, I've heard other people talk about the way that the the uh, the boards and the glass would sway in there, and just how rowdy the fans would get. So uh, to go back to see it even more polished and and uh, all the extra bells and whistles was super cool. Would it be fair to say, Steve, that you never really expected to be an Erie Otter? Obviously, knowing the relocation yeah. was going to happen, but I think that when that last year came around for you in the Ontario Hockey League, you had expected to be perhaps somewhere else. Yeah, um, and and that's just the way that I guess the the you know the the sport goes. And uh, yeah, I finished up my third year in Niagara Falls. Um, had a had a fairly decent final year there. Um, we we're working through, I'd been uh, in order for the whalers to maintain my, my rights the year before after drafting me, they need to make uh, an offer and they did. And at the time the, my agents walked through and was no, nope, this wasn't the right thing. And we all agreed that we just move on and, and go after the uh, uh, full contract at the end of my third year. And it just didn't happen. Uh, after the end of the season, uh, we were expecting an offer. We had uh, agents were preparing counter offer, had everything lined up, and uh, just near the deadline, Hartford said nope, uh, that we weren't going to sign. But please come back as a as a free agent, which uh, I didn't. Um, went uh, with the Sanders instead, but I still did not did not expect to, to be with Inerry. Figured I'd go play in the HL someplace, um, but uh, with the education contract and what Erie was doing, it was the the right move at the time to, to stay with the, with the otters. What was that last year in Niagara Falls like for you, irrespective of the fact you thought you'd be going pro the following year, but knowing that it was the last year for that. I mean, I guess I can't say yeah. franchise because same franchise, different city, but you were well, done in Niagara Falls and you knew that. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't, you know, there lots of rumors throughout the, the season, um, not until really midway, but even to start the year, we knew that we were in, in tough there. Um, season ticket holders were way down. Uh, we had some drives uh, to, to pump up that base and do some different things along there. I remember uh, us going door to door, even in Niagara Falls and trying to drum up support that way as players. And uh, so through the year, we didn't really know what to expect or what would go on. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess roller coasters at the end of the season, it came out very quickly that we were done there. Um, again, I, I thought I was uh, wrapped up to begin with, so it wasn't going to be that big of an adjustment for me personally, but uh, that's just the, the way that it went. Uh, mixed emotions. I love Niagara Falls. I still love Niagara Falls. Um, I still get back there as much as I can. Uh, Jeff Johnstone was on the team. I, I talked with him pretty much every day, either text or calls or, or something of like that. So, we're, we're heavily connected and he's still there. So connected back to the, to that city. If you're going door to door in an effort to try to keep <laughs> the franchise in the city, I think that speaks to how much you cared for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and maybe we're, we're just, uh, you know, uh, teens or, or late teen OHL players. So we're not getting the bigger picture, but yeah, when you, when we, you talk about it now, that's crazy to think that uh, uh, that's what we needed to do in order to keep the franchise afloat there. Did that in any way prepare you for 
the role you sort of played in Erie then helping establish a new franchise because you weren't just the on ice face and in many respects Steve you became the face of the franchise even off the <laughs> ice trying to trying to build a junior hockey fan base in what had been a pro hockey market yeah it's funny because the, that summer um when when knew that uh, that there might be a chance uh, that I would uh, uh, go to Erie or at least uh help with the, uh, the transition. Um, cause they, they had me working in the office. So I was, uh, selling advertising actually for, for the Erie Otters and that, that first summer that was going through there and working in the front out, uh, front office and, and doing a lot of, um, we'll call it, uh, public relations work with potential, um, sponsors or other people associated with the team. And so I was, uh, still living in Niagara Falls, I'd spend uh, about half the week in Niagara Falls and uh, taking a course in uh, in university, and then going to Erie uh, in the the other few days of the week, and and working with the front office. So it was pretty cool, um, but it really did kind of kind of give a a little bit more of an aspect of just the player uh, seeing how the business was being run there too. Did you have to really, in some ways? build a fan base because junior hockey, I mean, I love it. You played it. I'm sure you still have fondness for it, but it's, it's a different yeah. animal, right? Players are there for five yes. years, max. They're 16 to 20 years old. They're not grizzled old men, etc. Yeah. Very different than the, the Panthers that were there, right? right. The East coast team, um, you know, a, a much different cast of, of characters as opposed to players that were working towards, uh, the NHL and, and when the the franchise moved there, I can't remember. I think there was five or six NHL draft picks already on the team, and then um, players that uh, were being drafted and, and going to to be up for the draft. So there was a lot of um, helping people understand that it's a prospects league. And um, at that time, uh, even so much as players, yes, would transition from the coast to to the NHL. It uh, it wasn't as much of a stepping stone as it is today. And uh, it was a, a much more of a, a minor league mentality than compared to, to now where it's really even, uh, even bigger. Compared to Niagara Falls, as a player, was it all that different? I mean, you find a new billet family, yeah. you live with the billet yeah. family, et cetera. Like, what was that like transition-wise? Yeah, it, it was very different, um, I guess, uh, Niagara Falls, again, uh, Niagara Falls, I lived there year round um, in the summer times. I, it, it was, that was my new home. And um, that was uh, the, the fondness I had there for, for my billet family, um, for the friends that I had made and, and just the, the, the city in general. Um, you, you have that connection. So it, it was really a complete new start in Erie. And you've got a much bigger city. You've got a much bigger rink, a much wider potential fan base. So it, it was a, a big transition. Then it was a different country, even though you don't think about that as, you know, we, we had to have proper visas and we had to, to um, go about different, uh, different avenues that way. So it, it was a, it was a big transition, I think, um, especially again, the size of everything compared to Niagara Falls. And all of a sudden, travel gets a whole lot more difficult too, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it, that's uh, the one thing that was awesome in Niagara Falls. You're pretty close, right? You're you're close to catch. You're you're close close to Guelph. Um, a lot of the road trips uh, weren't so bad. Even swinging across the, you know, if you had to go east of the GTA, wasn't 
too bad. And Erie, it's still, you know, you're at, you're adding two hours to everywhere else that you went automatically. And so we did, we did a lot of road trips uh, uh, differently uh, that year than what we had been used to a lot more uh, overnight or long swings and things like that. Didn't even think about that. It's a, <laughs> Talk about digging up memories. Yeah, you're you're bang on. Well, I don't know about you, but I've always struggled sleeping on the bus. How did you manage trips? What was your way to pass the time, or could you sleep? No, you, you uh, again uh, at the time you you just figure it out, right? So you, we uh, sleep on the floor. You sleep across two seats. You you learn how to contort your bodies in different ways. Um, I know that one of the, the best moves we ever, it was in Niagara Falls, but we always usually had a, a late road trip uh, or sorry, an early season road trip up North Swing, hit North Bay, hit Sudbury, hit Sault Ste. Marie, and then do a straight shot back from Sioux uh, all the way to Niagara Falls. And, and that was usually around Thanksgiving, uh, it seemed to be. But we uh, we had a big piece of uh, plexiglass, of the old uh, rink glass that we would put between uh, – five seats turned around and then we just made a big bed and then we could just uh, crash out and sleep there before we had sleeper beds. So that was our, that was our trick. We absolutely loved it. It's much more comfortable than sleeping on the floor. <laughs> you know what? I didn't even know guys slept on the floor until I took one of my trips. I try very hard to stay in my seat, not get up. I don't want to go to the back of the bus. It's not my place to be. And then yeah. the one time I was doing it, we were coming home from, Probably the Sioux. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I, I stepped on a poor kid sleeping on the floor. But I thought, like, <laughs> where else is he going to stretch out, right? Well, you learn quickly how to climb seats to get to the back of the bus. <laughs> I learned way too late, Steve. That's bad, yeah. right? It's so bad. I was years into this before I started climbing on the sides of the seats to get there. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that first season in Erie, what was – what was the fan base like? What do you remember of that first game? Like, did people get it? Did they show up? Were they excited? Did they cheer at the right time? <laughs> yeah, they, they. I'll say this: the Erie fans knew hockey. Uh, that was the one thing that was evident right away. the The core base it was convincing them to go to games. They they understood the game. They understood the game very well. And that first uh, home opener, I, I don't remember exactly if we had a sellout, but it was pretty close. It was a, it was a big big crowd. Um, and we didn't play that well. I think we lost three nothing to Detroit at the time, and uh, uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great showing uh, to say the least for for a home opener. But there was an excitement, there was an electricity, and then from that one, it kind of built throughout the season. So we had that first home opener, and there's a little bit of momentum. Then the big um, the big thing there was always that Thanksgiving, the U.S. Thanksgiving. Um, always had a, a game there, and uh, that really uh, didn't really understand it. But that was the big draw. That was always the big game in Erie right away. So they made sure to to set the schedule there. We had a a sellout, and again, really good rowdy fan base. Um, I think we were one of the first teams in the league that were able to sell beer at games. So that certainly helped uh, uh, to to see like a more professional game or more professional arena than we were used to. And then it kept on until uh, late in the season. We had a had a game against Kitchener um, that uh, that we we won on a sellout to in order to get into the the playoffs or secure our playoff uh, spot. And so the fans really were more skeptical along the way than they were uh, lacking knowledge. They knew the game; they still do. And they, um, I guess, it, it was it was nice to see. I guess a, a full rank of 
knowledgeable, excited hockey fans. That late season game against Kitchener, I believe part of get back to back against them early in that March. And as yeah. you said, you, you secure that playoff berth, but there was also, I think, as I recall, some other some other reasons for the fans to get kind of excited about that game, despite the outcome. Yeah. There were there were some extracurricular activities that night. by a handful late in the third period and and one fight you know turned into two fights and it seemed every off, off of every drop there was about seven fights in a row and it was one after another and after and each one the fans just got it got more excited uh, to the point where they were they were announcing the penalties so the 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 pa announcer would ask five minutes for and then you know 5500 people yelling fighting it was it was exciting. It was enough that each one of us that got tossed, we came down the tunnel and stood at the glass to to watch out the rest of the game. So it was, it was a it was a big night for Fury, but I think that was a a great night for the the team as well. How did you feel about that aspect of the sport? The fighting. Yeah. It, it was something that we had to do, or that that was part of the game. Um, I never liked hitting, punching someone in the face. Um, I liked even less getting punched in the face. So <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it, it, it was there. Uh, I, I was, well, I wasn't a small guy, um, could handle myself, uh, did okay. I wasn't a, a, a goon or a, or a fighter. That wasn't, wasn't my game. I, I was told by all my coaches that, that wanted me on the ice and not in the box, but there was times when it needed to be done or, or it came up or heat in the moment. And, yeah, never, never really enjoyed it, um, but never really um, stepped shied away from it either. Total aside here, but I'm just thinking back on you talking about that Thanksgiving Day always being a big game, a big day game for uh, the Otters, and I've been down to it a couple of times. Can we just call it what it is? Americans do Thanksgiving way better than Canadians. Like it's not even close, <laughs> eh? It's not, not it's not, and, and you know it's funny we, we talk about that. My parents, for better than 20 years after I left Erie, would still go down to the Thanksgiving game. They would, they, uh, along with my grandparents, they would drive down from, uh, they're still in Oshawa, so they'd drive four hours, they'd go to the game, they would go Black Friday shopping, uh, and they'd head back home. And it was uh, a, a tradition that they, they just loved, and it just uh, for my dad to be back at the game and, and watching a Thanksgiving game in the crowd there, it's it's just, it's part of, for Erie, it's just part of their big weekend. And I think that's so cool. That's so awesome. To this day in Erie, they call the team's humanitarian award, the Steve Nimagon <laughs> humanitarian award. How does that sound to you? How does that make you feel? Uh, that's one of, one of the things I'm most proud of, I'm, I think, for my time in Erie. Um, it's, uh, it, it was surprising uh, when they did that. And they did that the the uh, end of the first season there. Um, a lot of that was due to, to some of the, the work that I did away from the rink. Um, we, uh, we were able to, to do some reading programs um, with some kids that wouldn't necessarily um, normally have, I guess, uh, athletes or, or, or public figures that would come to their school. 
And it, it started out that uh, we were at one of the schools that were doing fundraising and, and all the teams do this where they have players go in the school and meet the kids and, you know, maybe they'll play floor hockey or, or go around and, and talk to kids about the importance of, of, of balancing whatever they're doing with school and, and those sorts of things. And, and one of the teachers got a little snippy with me at the end of it. And she said, you know, if you really want to do for some for these kids, why don't you come back and read with them? And I said, okay, sure. And uh, she was a little surprised, but um, because of the way, because of my age and in you know, my university schedule, it was no problem to do that. So I did that the next week and then turned into a, a regular thing and, you know, had all the kids get to a game uh, one time and get down the locker. It's one of the, 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 my favorite pictures I have from my time in the OHL, the kids uh, crowd around in the locker, climbing on top of us and stuff like that. It was pretty cool, but yeah, that's still to, for it still to be that way is, is pretty amazing. And, and uh, a lot of, a lot of great guys have, have put their name on that trophy. How much of that do you still like that attitude and that approach to maybe a hand up for somebody or pitching in here or there in the community? Do you carry with you to this day? I think it's important. Um, I, I, I'm probably not as active as I, I should be or, or would like to be necessarily. Um, I've always liked to do those things kind of quietly in the background anyway. Uh, and it's a lot easier now that, you know, no one, no one would know who I was, so it's uh, it, it's easy to do that. We do still uh, some stuff through work and and otherwise, but I, I think it's important. I think that if you you have the ability to to help other people, um, whether it be with your time or otherwise, it's it means a lot. Do you still keep an eye on the Erie Otters? I mean, they were kind of hard to miss when they had a guy named <laughs> David playing there, but. Yeah, uh, I, I do. Uh, for as much as I can, uh, I think that uh, the it's been a while since I got to a game. I'm I actually live in Windsor, so the last game I got to was when they were in the Memorial Cup final here, and uh, that that wasn't a great day necessarily, but uh, it was it was awesome to go to that game. Uh, my my uh, I went with my dad, my grandfather. They both came down. The three of us went off to a game to to watch my old team play and my dad walking around the rink and my old daughter's jersey was pretty cool. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So keep, keep an eye on them. Yeah. Uh, as much as I can in the league, it's amazing where the league is at now. Uh, the rinks that these, uh, these guys have an opportunity to play and um, the speed of the game, all that it's, it's wild. That is a fantastic story that the three of you could take in that game and dad's wearing your Jersey yeah. through the arena. Unreal. Yeah, it, it is, and, and uh, probably most people wouldn't have known what that was either. But it's, uh, you know, for for the three of us, uh, it, it was it was a nice moment. I'll come back to that in a moment, but I'm I'm curious because a lot of people have said, Steve, that that Memorial Cup, the Otters got jobbed because they had to fight their way all the way through the Western Conference and the OHL final until they meet these very well-rested Windsor Spitfires who got bounced in the first round. Did your former team get robbed in that 17 Memorial Cup? Uh, <laughs> I got to say no, I because that's just the way the, the sport goes. And you you, you got to get it done. That's, that's it. It was a great game. But yeah, that, that Windsor team was on fire that night. You talk about being at that game with dad, grandpa. It just makes me think of the role that family plays in developing us as humans period, but specifically 
in this context as a hockey player. And I mean, there, there are all those early morning practices. We hear about it all the time. But what role did your family play in helping you on your hockey journey, getting up to the Ontario Hockey League? No, a, a huge role, um, the most, the, the biggest role, really. And and my parents uh, were great all the way through. Um, whether it, whether it was hockey for myself, whether it was um, something that my sister was doing at the time or otherwise, they were phenomenal way of supporting us and and making sure that we could make our own mistakes, but also there with a, a support net. And you know, it was uh, when I was drafted to the OHL, I was also big uh into school uh doing well scholastically and um i wasn't sure if i was going to play in the ohl or not or if i if i was going to go that route or go through university and you know as a 15 16 year old there's a lot of conversations deep conversations you're having with your parents and and they were very forthright and supportive of making sure that i had all the information i needed and that i was the one making decisions and uh, I think one of the, the best things my dad said at the time, and, and I tell people this different uh, uh, different areas, one of the anecdotes I go back to a, a lot, but said, you know, there's no right or wrong decision here. It's just that you make a decision and you commit to it fully. And whatever one that is, you're, that, that will be the right decision and go, go with it. And at that time, I, I obviously decided to, to enter the OHL or go through with the draft. And, um, but they they were instrumental in that. Still, uh, still today, supporting me and whatever I need to do, venting from work or talking about family, all those things. They're they've been very instrumental. What a great piece of advice, and it worked out really well. Seventh overall, first round to the Niagara Falls yeah. Thunder. Did you? Would it have mattered to you at that point once you had committed to the decision, Steve? Would it have mattered where you went? Uh, no. Uh, well, the, yeah. Sorry. Not entirely true. Yes, um, <laughs> at, the, at that time there was there was probably a few teams that I would didn't uh, have an interest in going to, um, and mostly because uh, you know, and that's how much things have changed. Really, um, everyone, every team has a solid franchise now. Every team is committed to to player education with the the league um, education contracts, and so we didn't even have that then. So had to sign my own education contract on the side i wanted to be at a team that had a university at least nearby so when i graduated university or high school i could still take some university courses while i was playing things like that um i i, I was hoping uh deep down that I, m- I might slide about five picks and get drafted by the generals um but uh that didn't uh, didn't work out that way and glad it didn't I'm, i was pretty happy in Niagara Falls. That is, um, that's quite the attitude for a 15, 16 year old kid to have making sure like you, you mentioned earlier that you were doing well scholastically, but clearly that was like, you were a, uh, a student athlete or an athlete student. That was very much a part of your identity by the sounds of it. Yeah. And actually, if you take a look at my old high school yearbooks from before I, I went to Niagara Falls, I was on the mathlete page too. So that was, uh, I, I was, I was very strong scholastically and it was important to me that I, I kept uh, that thing, uh, that had a bit open. We talked about the, uh, the rougher side of the game and your feelings towards it. When I talked about the Niagara Falls thunder, 
being one of my favorite OHL teams. It just seemed to me, and again, you got to think of growing up, cutting your teeth, watching this game. It seemed to me every time there was a game with Niagara Falls, there was going to be a, a bit of a battle and you had some guys that, that could mix it up. A lot of every team did back then, yeah. but that, that arena too, like, do you, do you just feel like an automatic badass when you walk into that old Niagara Falls <laughs> arena? I, I think, yeah, I think you have to. It's, sure. Uh, it's small, it's tight. Uh, everything was on, you were on top of everyone, right? So whether the fans were on top of you or, or as a player, you're at small strength in the league, I think at the time from a nice surface wide, so um, it was always pretty physical. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was never the, uh, the baddest of the badasses on the team by any means. So that there, that we had other people that could uh, throw them a little bit better. But it was, uh, yeah, you take a look at some of the tough guys that went through that team too. It's like, wow, you know, those are, those are some big boys. And maybe just maybe the black and red just looked mean and, ACDC thunderstruck it all kind of all kind of rolled together yeah it exactly it had all the necessary ingredients and all of a sudden you've got yourself that uh that attitude or that uh that 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 uh, people that's what they expect right from this uh, particular team for example but getting back to you being there as a first rounder how how did you find the step into the Ontario Hockey League it was a it was a tougher adjustment than I expected um, I expected to to go in there and you know earn my earn my way onto the team, obviously, but also earn my way and then get lots of opportunities, lots of ice time. And um, that year was was really tough. Um, I wasn't getting ice time to to start the year, and uh, it was you know I understand that's kind of just the way things are. Um, and at the time, though, you you're, you got your blinders on, you you can't figure it out. And so it took a, a couple of months before I started getting a lot more, you know, regular shifts and being out there and, and adjusting and still um, making sure that made the most of the opportunities that I had. And uh, obviously the team wasn't, uh, wasn't a very good team that year and, and things progressively uh, got worse throughout the season. But by, you know, by around December and we had made a couple of moves and, and got more ice time was playing uh, more regularly um, started to see things a little bit, a uh, little bit better, um, and then as as that progressed and got more opportunities, um, I blew my knee out. So it was it was soon kind of got got really uh, motoring along, or, or felt like I'd kind of made that transition to to being there. It's a it was a, a blown knee in the free play. What uh, what happened? Uh, so of all the places, it was in Oshawa. So we had played an exhibition game to, to start the year uh, in Oshawa, and, and I, I played really well that game. as a, And again, you got mixed squads, so it's not uh, all veterans and, and everyone out there, but I think I had a couple goals and assists and, you know, everyone there. So it was, it was great. Um, and so went back there in January uh, of that season. Lots of friends and family there, but uh, it was just a – I was playing off wing because um, I had uh, opportunity to play with a couple of different guys um, after training. Uh, puck rung around the boards in our own end, picked it up. I saw someone um, coming at me from the other side and raced to absorb the hit and absorbed the hit, but everything else went around and my foot stayed in the same spot. Uh, so it was, it was bad, bad situation at that point. What was the recovery like? Uh, that was really tough. Um, you know, 
you're, I, I was 17 at the time. And uh, obviously stock was going up for the NHL draft now that I was getting a lot more playing time. Um, yeah. And so it was about a month from the injury to, to surgery. And then surgery uh, was a lot more aggressive, invasive than it is now. Uh, and then, you know, crutches, I think, for eight weeks or something silly like that afterwards. And then it's all straight into therapy. And so I think it, it was physically tough, mentally tough, too, because at that time, too, um, I actually moved back to, to Oshawa uh, because of the, the time in the school semester, because I could concentrate on on getting uh, the recovery time that I needed. Worked with actually with the general's uh, physical therapist at the time uh, at, uh, at his clinic just to, to get things back uh, to where they needed to be. And then it was fall time before I was even allowed to start skating again. I've always wondered about that. You mentioned how difficult it can be mentally. When you're coming back from an injury like that, uh, that's got to be half the battle too. Like you, you, you've been given the clean bill of health from the medical community. That's fine. But mentally, how much does it stick in your mind? Yeah. And again, you're, you're, you're at the age where you think you're indestructible, right? You're 17, you're 18, nothing, nothing can hurt me. I'm going to get through this. And, and it's a, you know, once I see the strength is there and then becomes the mental part of it, can I absorb the same hit? Can I, can I throw myself into to someone else? And, and I probably came back a little bit early, earlier than I should have. Um, probably mostly fully healed, but maybe not quite. And and again, we we're not as smart then as we are now in terms of how we kind of build players up in terms of uh, how much ice time they get, or in in terms of um, practice or game ready um, recovery. But it, yeah, it was certainly figuring out whether what I can and can't do, and then and when I couldn't do it. Take a step back, two step forwards, you know, two more forward, two more back, until I figure out uh, exactly where. And, and it, it was probably a, a good, you know, back to playing another month or two before I really got back into the groove of of being the the player that I wanted to be. How's the knee doing today? Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> good enough. Yeah. Um, uh, ironically enough, I, I don't really skate much uh, anymore. Um, no reason for it. I, I just uh, about ten years ago, I moved from from where I was living to then to, to where I am now, and just never um, never had the group to, to skate with down here. So um, it kind of got put a, put aside, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's not a it's not a hundred percent, but it's a uh, good enough to, to get around the golf course and and uh and everything else i want to do yeah well, that's all that matters right getting around the golf yeah. course some of the other things for sure you mentioned steve that the first year uh in the old it wasn't the best team you struggled missed the playoffs the next two you're coming back from your injury that second one and you make the playoffs both those next two seasons both times against those darn owen sound players they get you once you yeah. get them once uh what was playoff hockey like for you in the old Yeah, playoff hockey was a lot of fun. Um, loved it. Like to this day, that that the smell of, of hockey in the springtime 
and and you'll know you know it because you get on the bus and you know that time of year. But there's just something about it. And um, at that time, uh, obviously, we're pretty excited. We're we're young and and going back and forth there. My first year wasn't that was an awful playoff for me personally. I separated my shoulder in the second game um, of a I think a six game series. So those those next four were were pretty tough. Uh, I, I remember getting uh, still playing, getting loose on a breakaway. I couldn't shoot, so I, my left arm was kind of just with my right arm trying to to flip it on that. Uh, sort of thing but again you you play through those things at, at the time um and it it's just uh again just the the excitement the feel of it um working towards uh, uh you know the goal of, of winning or eliminating a team it just it's different than just one-off uh, games and then that second season um against Owen Sound or sorry that second playoff uh, the next year my third year against Owen Sound that was a lot of fun because we were firing all cylinders and the team was humming um, it was it was exciting hockey, and you get the chance to advance that time too, which is yeah. right the ultimate feeling for sure. Yeah, big difference, and and that was uh, and we had a good uh, we had a good series. So to to feel that and and win, you know that there there isn't too many feelings like it in terms of advancing a playoffs and working one step closer to that goal. What was your least favorite building to play in? <laughs> I knew this question was coming up <laughs> and it's going to be the one that everyone else says it was Windsor. Of course and, it was. You know, I, I think I said this, I live in Windsor now. I actually work in, in Michigan. So I cross the border uh, pretty much every day and I drive by that rink almost every single day still. And it is, yeah, it was always the worst place to play because the fans were just, they were something else. And it's the, the that tunnel that you walked or kind of sort of tunnel from the uh, from the dressing room onto the ice and people are grabbing your stick and throwing coins at you and spinning at you. And it was just <laughs> it was not a lot of fun, although I loved coming to Windsor um, just uh, from a road trip perspective. It was uh, uh, one that we usually hit up London and Windsor and then headed back. So it was, it was usually a, a pretty good road trip. Yeah, I don't know what it was about that barn. Did you ever get any – well, I know what it was about that barn, but did you ever get any sense that when the fans in Erie were, like, really into it, maybe you had a little bit of that short of – I didn't hear anybody throwing coins oh, there, no. but the glass bangers and all that stuff? No, I don't I don't think so. I think Erie were perfect angels the entire time. I, <laughs> you know, I <laughs> – I, there was just something mean. There, there was just something mean about the Windsor fans at that time. And and when I was there for for the uh, Mem Cup, there it was a completely different feel. There, there was something about that that rink in general where every, everyone was in gray, maybe, and it was it was almost kind of dreary, and and everyone was just it, it was they were mean fans. They they were they would yell and yeah. Maybe maybe the Erie fans might have got that way a little bit at, at times, but for sure, for sure, when you see them rocking the glass in Erie, that was a lot of fun. It was, and I remember, and I'm not saying anything ill about fans in Erie because I love them too. But not long after you were gone, Steve, they started doing Buck a Beer Night, and <laughs> we, you mentioned earlier they might have been the first uh, arena to be able to sell beer, but we were there for a couple of those games and, and guys were coming back like with armloads of their buck of beers. Yeah. Right. So that's okay. You can have a little fun while you're out for the night. Why not? Might as well. I, <laughs> I, I did. I did not even know they had done that. That's pretty wild. Shockingly. It didn't last all that long, but yeah, go figure. 
I, I mentioned at the outset that not only did I love the Flyers as a uh, Niagara Falls as a franchise, but or the Thunder and the Flyers and the other teams that went through there, but also the team that you got drafted by in the National Hockey League. I'm a Leafs fan through and through, but my first NHL game at Maple Leaf Gardens was against none other than the Hartford Whalers. What did you think? What were you, what was going through your mind when they picked you in the 11th round? Yeah, it, it's funny. I, I Well, first, I didn't expect to get drafted. Uh, that was the the thing. So I I was obviously like I said that I hurt myself uh, a, a little while and before and was in recovery and didn't expect to be drafted that year. Um, was was rated uh, decently before the injury or as I got injured and then um, even though it went through a lot of the interviews and such, the given the timing just didn't expect it to happen. So it's a little surprise. I actually didn't uh, didn't find out till the reporter from Niagara Falls called my house. So again, pre-internet, right? So um, I, I'd gotten home. I, I was actually working uh, that day and, and got home. And uh, um, Rob called me and, and had, you know, said, "So what do you think about the draft?" And a couple of a uh, couple of teammates were first-round picks, and I was surprised that he wanted comments on that. And he, then he's like, "No, you got drafted by the whale or something." Oh, <laughs> hey, mom and dad, guess what? It was it was kind of a and then shortly thereafter, um, someone from the team uh, uh, called called me. I think I hung up the phone, and, and they called uh, immediately afterwards. But it, it was uh, obviously pretty exciting. Um, uh, it was uh, you know more of a okay, that's the next step. Next step is to you know find a way to to sign and and move on. Um, but uh, I always kind of thought there was great uniforms, cool. You know, there's something cool about the Whalers, so I was excited to be drafted by them. And uh, you still see the Whalers hats kind of floating around in, in different areas or or uh, shirts and jerseys and stuff like that. So it was uh, it was an exciting time. Um, unfortunate that the, it wasn't uh, more than a few years later that it moved, but it was uh, exciting at the time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's a classic logo, a classic jersey. Every time you see it, you know. When you look back on that, because it, it didn't work out perhaps the way you would have thought at the time. Any regret? No, no, not at all. I, and, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty fortunate guy. I, I've got, you know, a great job. Uh, I've got a university degree. I've got great friends from hockey. I've got great connections through hockey. Um, I've got awesome memories. I got to live in Europe, all these sorts of things. So um, the fact that I didn't make the NHL, you know, that, yeah, at the time it was disappointing, and and obviously uh, took some some time to to get a good perspective, but zero regrets. And I'm I'm a, I'm a fortunate person. I'm I'm really uh, lucky to be where I am today. That uh, university degree at Saint FX, you could do a whole lot worse than that, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was the, yeah that was the again, but the OHL. It gave me that opportunity, right? And again, the now they the education packages are different than they uh, they were then. Uh, but that was one of the big reasons why why I was able to to go to X at the time so quickly was because I had my school package and and then the the team out there was was awesome and the experience. How'd you like the hockey in? I don't know what they were calling it then, but U Sports today. Yeah. Um, it was it was an adjustment because of the the short schedule right, uh, right. 28, 28 game season um, so one or two games a week and uh, a shorter season so longer practice season 
Um, so practices were intense and that was, that was one adjustment. I loved the hockey. I, it was, it was great that again, after the adjustment of, you know, um, no fighting, uh, or essentially, uh, no, uh, so it was a little, little transition from there. Um, that was the first time I had played with the, the red line. Uh, so that was a, it was a faster game at, at times. Um, but just the, the intensity that every game mattered was pretty wild. And you, because of that, every practice mattered. And, and Danny Flynn, uh, who's the coach there, had us very well prepared and practices were intense. So it was, uh, once the transition was there, it was, you know, fantastic hockey. And the, the skill level was much higher than anyone realized at the time. We've got Danny's son, Brad, as an assistant coach in Kitchener right now. Are there any stories about his dad I should remind him of? <laughs> oh, gosh, that I can tell on the podcast? No. Well, that's awesome. Well, send, send him my best. He, I will. Was great. Uh, glad, to, glad to hear that uh, that's where he's landed. And, and you know, if he's, he's, got, uh, he's got his dad's skill set, then he's going to be a hell of an addition there. Um, Danny is a phenomenal coach, a phenomenal hockey person. Yeah, I've heard nothing but great things about him over the years on this podcast. He's scouting with Columbus. We still see him around the rink on a regular basis. And I, I think this game is just better with a guy of Danny's caliber in it, quite frankly. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I, I have yet to meet anyone, and I've met a lot of really smart hockey people. Anyone as in tune with the game as Danny was, and, and just his ability to see what it is uh, to dissect the game and then communicate that back to people. It's just excellent he's he's uh the game's better because he's in it i was just talking to somebody on the podcast recently with a very similar kind of trajectory as yours got the education package went to europe and, and you've made it very clear that the education package was something that was really important to you what advice would you give to a player coming into the ontario hockey league today when it comes to maybe the importance around that scholastic package I think it's, it's it's about being a well-rounded person, right? And not taking a myopic view of any one thing, whether it be hockey, whether it be school, whether it be something else that you're passionate about. Um, the the packages they have now, and, and you know, you'd know better than I would, but I believe they have a grace period now from the end of their their final year to, um, to when they need to use it. At the time, for, for us, uh, for those of us that had school packages, we couldn't play one professional game. If you signed a professional contract, the moment you do that, your package is null and void. So it, it uh, transitions a lot quicker. So I think it's just take take the opportunity, slow down, enjoy enjoy the moment, um, but uh, take the opportunity. One thing that I, I've learned for certain about you today, Stephen, you were talking about how fortunate you feel with good job, still in touch with people you played the game with those networks, those connections, et cetera. But somewhere along the line, you became a hell of a chef. When did Steve Nimigon become such a foodie? Come on. Oh, uh, yeah. you've, been, you've, been, you've been checking my social media for that <laughs> one, yeah. I don't know. Um, I think probably a little bit when I was in school, but mostly probably when I, uh, when I played in Europe, um, played with a, a uh, or sorry, lived with two other uh, um, former, uh, or two other Canadian players, and I was the, the cook in the house, and, then that that became my new uh, my new thing. Once uh, once I stopped playing, that was my that was, that's what I love to do. So I unwind. 
I think it's awesome. So I don't know if a foodie such as you would would slum it with us Windsor pizza loving guys, but for me, oh. it's the best stuff going. So I live, I live about a three minute walk from uh, one of the one of the top spots here in Windsor is and Antoninos. And, That's my spot. And, That's my okay. spot. So yeah, I, I'm walking distance Antoninos, and yeah, they they put up a they put up a good good pizza now. I can't get it. I can't get behind the cold canned mushrooms thing about Windsor, but I'll, I'll give them the shredded pepperoni and the and the cornmeal crust. So that those are the the two wins. But Windsor pizza, it's a it's a cult. Don't get too wound up on it. Well, that's and and when I when I lay claim to Antonino's as my spot, there are others who will pick. You know, there's a two or three other really popular yeah. places, but no, for sure. Well, yeah, the first time I, I'm actually relatively new to the Windsor pizza scene and we actually picked one up after a game one night and I was like, I'm not going to lie, Steve, I dummied pretty much the entire box on my drive home. <laughs> so there you yeah. go. Well, that's, a, that's that's an acceptable behavior. I do the same thing. <laughs> Listen, it's it's great to get some time with you on this podcast. The One of the original Erie Otters and the first captain of the team, the Steve Nimagon Humanitarian Award carries on and you got it all started. Thanks so much for joining us. No, I, I really appreciate being here. And again, it's, it's humbling given the guests that you have had on here so it's uh it's been a been a lot of fun do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.